We decided it'll be okay for us to fight. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Please, please do. That would be that would be amazing. Hey everyone, it's Mario. Welcome to another episode of the We the Trust podcast. In every episode, Eric Chang and myself discuss living a life of overflow in each of our five pillars, spiritual, emotional, mental, physical, and financial. Join us as we train to be better at being the men God designed us to be. Better images of Christ, better husbands, better fathers, businessmen, and leaders. Our hope is that these conversations challenge you to desire the life that God meant for you when he designed you. So tune in, take notes, and connect with us as we enter the fray of manhood. Hey guys, we are back. It's season three. Eric, Mario, we have two guests today. uh, And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, kind of a hybrid uh, theme today is like, you know, being a better husband. But since we have, we have, uh, uh, a woman, this is a first woman, female guest that we're having on the podcast, which I'm, I'm pretty excited about, uh, no pressure, Carrie. Uh, but we're going to talk about this, this line of being a better husband and, uh, but also having a better marriage today. So we're going to, I'm going to introduce you to uh, our guest, Brandon uh, Consalvi. I've known for a few years uh, from out here in Hawaii, which is, uh, it's been a while. We've, we've, yeah. we've known each other a while ago. Uh, we worked on some stuff for, for some churches out here. Uh, Brandon's 37 year old extroverted type one on the Enneagram. I still gotta, I still gotta get really like acquainted <laughs> with Enneagram. Eric knows all about Enneagram. Uh, he's an all around perfectionist, super freak. Uh, he's a man of many passions, cooking, chess, family, gardening, woodworking, and graphic design. Um, Brandon has a BA in religion from the University of Hawaii and an MBA from Biola. Uh, he's been a pastor in Hawaii, uh, operations manager. He's kind of like a, a renaissance man, uh, operation manager and director for Southern California's largest Christian conference center, uh, and is now running a solo consulting and design studio called Bear Up Design. And his lovely wife, Carrie, uh, is a 37-year-old introverted type three on the Enneagram. Uh, she's a consummate achiever, never satisfied till the job is done, knows six different ways to get there. She spent a career as a librarian starting out in the University of Hawaii, then Calvary Chapel Bible College in Marietta, and is now at San, uh, Mount San Jacinto College in Menifee, California. And if you don't know where Menifee is, what's that, what's that, uh, what's that movie again, Eric? Alpha <laughs> Dog. <laughs> Watch Alpha Doc, you'll know where Menifee is. Oh, man, um, that's great. Carrie received her undergraduate degree from uh, communications from Azusa Pacific University. Uh, no fighting, Biolans, and APU people. Uh, and her second, and her second in instructional science and technology from Cal State Monterey Bay. Uh, she's an avid reader, as you might expect, and a budding talent in printmaking and macrame. I want to talk about that printmaking stuff. Um, uh, Brandon and Carrie have been married for nearly 17 years. Doesn't look like they're, they look so young and fresh. They, they've been married for 17 years. Like what? Started the young. <laughs> and uh, I wish I had started younger. <laughs> um, a 12-year-old daughter and a nine-year-old son, and they reside in Southern California. Welcome, guys. That was a lot. Uh, yeah. But, but we'll figure, we'll, we'll, I'll tip that. That's fine. It's, it's, like, <laughs> it's like episode one-ish, right? Uh, but exactly. welcome. Thanks for, thanks for coming on the podcast, guys. Really happy to be here. This is uh, this is a, a fun venture that we hope will be uh, more just like it. <laughs> um, so, as as we start, you know, obviously we're going to be talking about marriage, 
um, and um, how how Brandon needs to be a better husband, and so do Eric and I. Um, can can you just give us a, a truncated version of of your story and why why do you feel you know confident to talk about having a better marriage? What what, what what's God done in your marriage? Uh, tell us your story. Tell me. <laughs> who's gonna who's gonna talk? You. Okay. So uh yeah, we got started early. We met when we were both still in college, uh, did long distance. Was that uh, the library? What's that? No, <laughs> it wasn't the library. <laughs> okay. We actually met and I went to Hawaii. So <laughs> we met we met over a summer. She came out temporarily for a short-term summer sesh. I went to summer school in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's brilliant. Oh. I tell you, she's brilliant. <laughs> so, Surf yeah, we met through a mutual friend, and we it, we were only around each other for a few weeks, but definitely felt the chemistry and and um, kept going long distance for a year and a half. Um, you know, just all the breaks in each other's spaces, but um, too much in each other's spaces. But <laughs> but uh, we got married in December of '05, and and um transplanted Carrie's life to Hawaii where we were there for six and a half years and then moved to California right here uh to Menifee for the last 10 plus years so um but we've gone through like we we read a while back a good great quote from a guy I can't remember his name unfortunately but he said my wife's been married to five different to five men and they've all been me and that's kind of been our story is the Lord has has made these really distinct lines of delineation in our storyline, where it, He's just changed our marriage overnight. Now, now we're on our third iteration, <laughs> and and you know, not to belabor the cliche, but it has really been every seven years. Like that seven year itch was our critical moment on, you know, right at year seven, where. You know, I was in ministry. I graduated college, went right into vocational ministry, was ordained. Carrie was trying to figure out what she was doing with her career, um, transplanting her life into my life. Right. We weren't she, you know, I was already established there in Hawaii and we were just started to do life together and marriage as best we could, as best we knew how. Right. With the advice we've been given, with our best understandings and our you know, dumb 20 something brain of what marriage is supposed to be and how we're supposed to be interpreting what I don't think you're allowed to say what the scripture, what scripture is expecting of us and our well-meaning, you know, our well-intentioned mentors trying to do their best to, to guide us through what that's supposed to mean and what that's supposed to look like. And, and lo and behold, it just, it, it imploded. Um, you know, there was a lot of hidden sin. I struggled with pornography for a lot of years, which it ended up coming out, you know, it's like that anybody who's been in that right knows that, that just, there's just that prayerful desire to be released of it, but the inability the willing spirit, weak flesh. And the Lord answered that prayer finally. And, and it was, it was really catastrophic for us emotionally. There's a lot, I mean, Carrie can, can testify to, to that side of things, but, but that was just, that was just a symptom. That wasn't the issue. And and what was what what became of that next seven years, right? Well, we we realized that first seven years was well intentioned, but a farce. You know, we loved each other, 
I mean, it was all that was real, but we thought we had a great thriving marriage. It was just, it's comical now because we just, we didn't really have one. We were friends. We were, we were great friends, but Mm-mm. the, the, the biblical expectation of being naked and unashamed, is not just a physical thing. That's an emotional, spiritual thing of being completely vulnerable and transparent with each other as a husband and wife so that God can accomplish the mission to, to anybody that's witnessing this, not just to each other, right? We're not the only benefactors of that kind of marriage. And so we he just started cracking open that idea after year seven. And the next seven years was us kind of tinkering and figuring out like, what, what does this mean? And, and, and getting to some roots of reasons why we behave the way we behave or thought the way we thought or argued the way we argued and, and um, revealing there's, there's way more there than those, those pet sins that we tolerated and nurtured for, for all those years. And, and it was pulling out all kinds of ugliness. And that was actually, mm. I mean, it was probably the darkest season of our, not just our marriage, but our life. Like I, the, the depression was real. The, the, dis, the despair was so real. Like we, we, we went, we went on vacation. Um, this was like uh, six months into this next breaking season. And we went to Zion's beautiful place and it was just a crucible. Like I, I cried every day, just weepy, <laughs> ugly, snotty tears, oh, wow. like for a week, you know, of being out there and, and just taking breaks to go hiking and, and then coming back. Get <laughs> some ice so, cream with the kids, <laughs> go back to the trailer. Find so, some more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and we've kind of been on that journey ever since. And it's been, you know, we've, we've been introduced to, to therapy for the first time, just, just, you know, to, to help us figure out how to, how to get out of our own head. You know, I realized that the way that I think as a, so like, if you look at Enneagram, I said that I'm a type one because it really helps pinpoint how I think. And I'm basically a textbook perfectionist and perfectionists hold themselves to the highest standard and then everybody else. right. So we, we expect a lot of everybody, most of all ourselves. And, and so me confronting my own sinful broken behavior, like I, I'm, I was a believer, right. I was a pastor. I taught the word really believed it intellectually, really not ready to understand what the gospel meant to me. Like I knew at the service level that I was saved by grace through faith. And, but, but practically that, that level of depravity that I was capable of that the Lord always knew I was who, you know, told me I was, but I still wasn't there yet. And, and uh, so the Lord's been taking us on this journey of, of healing and going deeper, right. At the same time. And, you know, the best part of that is the deeper we go, into that ugly kind of well of, of our sin and depravity, the deeper his grace goes and we get a better, more thorough picture of, of who God's, who God is to us and and what he desires from our marriage. So we just, Mm. so, so for me personally, like I just have this burning desire to, to help others along that same journey. And if they can get started sooner than we did, that's so many years (laughs) unwasted. Um, 
So that's that's my heart. Did you want to add something to that? <laughs> Since I filibustered for the last that, that was rich. That was really good. Yeah. Right I, have, I do have a question, but yeah. I'd love to hear Carrie's perspective on. Yeah, I'm going to go step out of the room for a quick. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Carrie, I'd like what's your what's your listen, yeah? Well, listening, yeah, listening to Brandon's like kind of timeline. <clears throat> um, what was your timeline like? Like, obviously, you're 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 an individual, right? And and you're you get married, you know, um, somewhat young, and and you're being thrust into his world out here in Hawaii, um, and then you you go through this this kind of like to 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 Brandon's uh, words, implosion, right? There's, there's this implosion of what was thought to have been a great thing, right? You guys were surface level doing all the things that you're supposed to do outside, right? But inside you guys were, were, were not operating at that fullness, right? So take me through your kind of journey through that. I think I went into marriage hidden anyway. Um, I've always been a people pleaser and Brandon's no exception. And I think that I've spent a lot of my life not being vulnerable at all. So that first seven years of marriage that he described, it's like, I have this magic trick of being able to just put something out of my mind and not think about it anymore because dealing with the emotions would be is harder than actually you know, um, putting it away. So the first seven years was very much like that of just trying to be pleasing and doing whatever method that I could do to just make the marriage work and not really addressing deeper issues and also not sharing myself. Um, Brandon didn't know my full testimony until seven years into marriage. So that kind of should give you a picture of how hidden we were. And when that happened, then the next seven years was kind of that figuring things out. And then in the next seven years, which we're currently in the last four years, we realized, oh my gosh, you know what? We need to go deeper. This vulnerability, there's something here because the more vulnerable that we get, the more attached we are to each other. And one thing that Brandon always says this phrase, but it's the theater of the gospel. And there's nothing like being your ugliest, truest form. And then Mm. looking in the eyes of your spouse and your spouse saying, I still love you. I have no reason to. And yet the Lord gives me this great desire for you. And Mm. I want to show you how I love you. And Mm. I feel like that is the gospel of grace that the Lord wants to demonstrate in marriage. And so for me, it's been 17 years of trying to figure out who I am in Christ, but having this person next to me to kind of walk in that ugliness, both learning about his ugliness, but also my own and how that demonstrates God's grace and really the gospel. I don't think we understand the gospel well enough until we're at that utter brokenness of spirit where we're like, who am I? Why do I deserve anything? You have to have that sinner's posture, I think, to understand it. Uh, thank you. Eric, you had some questions. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, just looking at your timeline, I think one of the things that you kind of answered it before I even asked, but, you know, 17 years is a long time. So we just hit, we just hit 10 in my marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and 10 has itself has felt like so long. 
Um, like, but it's like not very long. It's like right. just the beginning, you know? Right. But for you guys looking at your relationship and your marriage in seasons, um, how do you feel like, like if, if you, if you were to kind of categorize everything in seasons, how do you, first of all, like what you've kind of described it already, what were the seasons? So how many have there been, do you feel like, and what did each of those represent? And then what are, what's the season that you're in now? I mean, we're giving them names. So season one would be. Do you, oh, do you actually have that? Like, or no? Yeah. <laughs> no, we were actually, oh, wow. it's funny. We were talking about it last night. We were. <laughs> um, like, Amazing. Okay. This is a perfect question then. Yeah. yeah like how, how we would categorize it because that's, I've had a couple of instructors and mentors over the years that have talked about their own life of that way. Right. And it kind of breaks down yep. in decades, right. Where, where it's, I mean, the easy way is just to kind of communicate it in terms of like a life cycle or a, a developmental cycle, right, right, where we're just infancy to, to you know, approaching maturity. That's, that's pretty much where I would think we are now, approaching maturity. But <laughs> but that first season, I would, I mean, if if I if we weren't going to use that metaphor, it would just be kind of hidden, probably hidden, exposed, and vulnerable. Vulnerable. Yeah. Wow, that's probably. good. That's probably what those those three seven year periods were. I mean, we're still kind of in that third seven year period where we're we're just exploring vulnerability and really not just like as a as a token, but as an essential, right? Mm. That is the that is the if I mean if if there were two words that were it would break down our entire heart and desire for what whatever we're gonna do for the next 30 years, it would be trying to transplant transparency and vulnerability into people's lives and marriages, right? That's, and that is, um, that is something that, that became crystal clear right away, right? Even after that first, that first crucible we went through right at the end of year seven was just this absolute necessity to divorce ourselves from who we were and how we operated in the hidden spaces and, and introducing vulnerability into our marriage for the first time, really, when, which is, I mean, so sad, right? It's just, it was, it's such a cautionary tale um, for that to have been our story, but, but, and we fought for it in that next seven year period, that period of exposure. I was, mean, we fought Like we, we, we fought, we fought in every lot. way you can imagine <laughs> for that thing, the vulnerability piece yeah. that we're now benefiting from but that exposure period was like everything that we had nurtured up until that point for 20 something plus years, right? We, of who we are and, and hiding all the little pieces of shame and all of the little things that as a culture, we've like, you know, we just, we try to write off. You forgive me yours and I'll forgive you mine. And, you know, that wasn't the right way to say that, but, you know, where we just kind of want, we try to avoid and tuck those things into the shadows, but those things have tons of meaning in how we think and how we operate. And we've we were professional, we become professionals at tolerating all of those things, but but yeah. they have pretty pretty devastating consequences. So so those, yeah, that was a long way of saying those <laughs> yeah. three words. I I have a question for you. Do you feel like you have had, or Mario as well, do you feel like you've had those kinds of experiences in your own marriage? Oh yeah. I mean, so, yeah. So, I mean, I've only been married for 10 years, but I've been dating my wife since we were 17 and I'm 35. 
Mm. So we've been together for, if you do the math on that, we've been together like as a, as a relationship couple and as a pair longer as a couple than we have not been a couple in the entirety of our lives. So we essentially grew up together. We, We were kids and, as you guys are sharing a lot of your journey, especially that, that because you guys are made up missing 20, 1920. Yeah. I was just turning 21. Okay. Yeah. I had just turned 21. We got married and she was a few weeks from turning 21. Okay. Yeah. Like that's really young. Right. And, and I think although we weren't married, I think um, the right word would be like betrothed, betrothed. Um, betrothed she yeah. was definitely like, we were definitely both like, we are going to get married. So like, I think we emotionally had, Giving each yeah. other that space already mm-hmm. really, really young, maybe like that. I knew I wanted to marry her when I was like 18 or 19, mm-hmm. like one or two years into dating. Um, I had like a crush on her on and off since I was mm-hmm. like 15, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then for her, I think like we, we just both kind of knew that that's where we were headed. Um, and I think one of those, one of the dangers of that in my, in my journey specifically was I think having that kind of in your back pocket, there's a little bit of a, like a, well, then I could kind of just do whatever I want in the sense of um, like this, if, what, cause you know, in the context of like Christian marriage, it's like, it's like, Oh, well, you know, I can be myself in my, in, in terms of like, I could bear it all in the sense that I could just be myself mm-hmm. good and bad. Right. And you're just going to have to accept it. Be unfiltered. Yeah. 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 That's probably the, yeah, that's probably the best way to describe it. And I think there are some, there's some dangers to that early on, especially because like I'm immature. I'm like, I'm, I'm a 20 year old. And um, that, that means like being a really, for me, a really unfiltered, angry person. Mm. Right. And with no accountability was in a lot of times I'd be like, well, this is who I am. Like I, I and you, you throw mm. abusive, abusive, verbal abuse, like, Oh, well, I thought you like, if you love me, then like you accept that and stuff like that. Right. And the looking back on our relationship, I think it was like, looking in seasons as well, like ton of immaturity on my end, ton mm-hmm. of growing up that needed to happen. But part of that came with the work that I needed to go through and experience like God doing my own life so that it can pour into our marriage. You know, like that wasn't going to happen like through, I mean, if we, if we did counseling and stuff like that earlier, which, which we didn't, um, all that would have just probably exposed the internal stuff that I was going through on my own mm. and the stuff that she was going through on her own. So right. until you kind of grow, like um, I taught, I, I took a, uh, one of my friends through marital counseling. They're not believers, but I taught them this like triangle. Right. Yeah. And it's like, and um, this whole idea of if like for, for me, at least it's like, yeah, like we have, we have this like linear relationship and until we have this triangle, like where, where God is like that, that third piece um, you're kind of just stuck with like dealing with each other in your mess. Right. You know, and that's what a lot of my first few years of marriage felt like. Mm. And I always think like, wow, I'm like surprised that she tolerated it and that we're still married <laughs> and that we have three children now. You yeah. Know? It, it baffles me. So, sorry. The, okay. It baffles me that any marriage survives apart from God. Right. Because we know yeah. as believers, we know this is an institution designed by God and, and its blessing is under the leadership of God. And so I've, I've kind of observed from the distance, especially after these seasons of brokenness, where we've understood uh, more of what we believe God's heart is for marriage and kind of just observe these secular relationships. And, and, yeah. you, you know, my parents didn't, didn't live a, you know, a, a lifestyle that was, that walked closely with God. And I saw them 
I, I know their history and how they had to figure it out by trial and error, right? There's multiple yeah. divorces and marriages associated to that process where what the, what, the, what resulted and what I believe results in every marriage that isn't under the leadership of God is a, a kind of a transactional mutual agreement to figure out how to make it work, but it doesn't mm. thrive. Right. And, mm. and they, they stand on really important commonalities. Like my parents were like the best of friends. Right. And they, they lived a really fun life together. Um, and that was their thing. But, but living the, the marriage that we've had, I know that they could have had more under the leadership of God. Right. That, yeah. You know, so, so I just, I feel like there's there, you hit, you hit a ceiling really quick. Like what you said, I mean, they can figure out how to deal with each other's stuff, but they can't, they can't close the gap until they can draw close to the Lord. Right. Like the triangle. Yeah. So, so something that you just said right now that really resonated or made me think was I've, you know, I've been coaching. So I, I coach men, right. And yeah. I've been coaching a lot of guys over these years. And one of the common themes that I'm, I'm seeing in, especially in relationships, most of these guys are dating. They're not even married yet. A lot of people that are dating. It's, I'd be so scared to date today. Like I, oh, with, yeah. with the internet and like apps and stuff like that. And I always think like, cause nowadays it's, everything's about um, like matching, right? It's like, it's matching and everyone's right. very choosy about this surface level. It's like, first of all, like, I mean, to be fair, like as a human, as I, the first thing I would look at is like, a picture like am I physically attracted to this person right and if I'm not I'm probably gonna move on right and it's like you're you're we're doing this thing where it's so self um like what I like and what I want and as if you knew so, that, right <laughs> right, and right. exactly and it's like yeah. so self-serving off the bat yeah. it's like you're kind of hand, yeah it's like you're exactly now now you're consuming your your even your your dating relationship which should eventually become marriage as, as what these apps are pitching and then should be your life partner. And right. it's like both people were selfishly choosing the best of what they like in something. Mm. And then if the, and then, and then the thing is you get into an actual vision, you realize that like, not all of it's what you thought it was. It never is. Yeah. And it makes me think of like what you said about your dad. It's like, they had a great friendship. Right. And what's really sad is I've seen a lot of these coaching relations that have that it's there. It's, it's so transactional. It's so like, yeah. Like when you, when, it, when you sum it up, it's like, Oh, like I actually like them because they do this for me or because, and yeah. I feel like without, without Christ in the equation, in the triangle, there's no, there's no true selflessness. Correct. Right. Because there's, there's no example that yeah, no that has been set for you with it, within the context of your relationship. Like where would you learn that from outside of the example right. of, of Jesus? You know, like well, there, there literally is not, you know, well, and you, the, I mean, you know, from being a believer, even if you could be exposed to the concept of it, you're not empowered without the Holy Spirit to give you, to actually give yeah. you the ability to live in a, in a, in a context of selfless love or, or even know yeah. that you should like whether or not that's even yeah. accomplishable in, in, in the yeah. in sinful flesh. Like that's something that we can still try strive for. And, you know, we, we really yeah. hold closely to the promise of Peter, the, that we've been given all things required for life and godliness. And I believe, I believe that it's, it's possible to experience that in this life, but, but you were going to say something. Was. I, I want to say the thing that was the biggest significant difference in our relationship and still continues to this day 
is what I would call the self-reflection piece because we stopped that transactional thing between us and started thinking Mm -hmm. like, where am I at with God? What's my part in this? What am I focusing on? What's my motivation here? And then it started being this internal dialogue with God that was like, Lord, I just want to grow. I just want to be different. I want to, I want to be who you want me to be. And in that process of being really reflective of what our heart is seeking after in that consumerism that you were talking about, um, I think that broke the transactional marriage that we had mm-hmm. and turned it into this like really delicate partnership in becoming who God wants us to be in our identities. Right. And so That's I good. can tell you this story. There was one moment, <laughs> it was probably 10 years in. So a little bit after our first break and we had moved back to Menifee and Brandon and I Wait, went. We didn't take a break. In what? Great. Right. I think she the, the, implo- the implosion. The implosion. Yeah. <laughs> it was a close to a break. <laughs> 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 Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so anyway, so we had moved back to Menifee and Brandon and I were on this date uh, sitting over breakfast and we had had this interaction with um, my brother-in-law and he wanted to use this, you know, the story. Mm-hmm. He wanted to use this brand new uh, swing that we had just gotten for our baby that wasn't born yet for his new baby. And normally, like this sounds silly, but like normally that would have been like, okay, well, we kind of want to use this new gift for our new baby because we're very excited about this baby. There's like this thing. And Brandon normally would have like a very different response. But at that breakfast table, Brandon was like, is it, is it wrong for me to think this way that I just want to save this for my baby? And I was like, honestly, I think it is. And Brandon was like, you know, false. (laughs) Wrong answer. Next one. (laughs) Brandon, Brandon, like bless him. Like he was just like, okay, I need to think about this. And it was the first time in 10 years of marriage that I didn't like, I felt bold enough to say you're wrong, (laughs) like straight out, which I never would have done prior Mm -hmm. to us kind of um, entering that vulnerable space. And the first time that I think that he could receive something like that of me saying you're wrong and receive it and say, okay, I need to think about this. Even though my emotions are here, that doesn't mean that Mm -hmm. this is the godly thing for me to respond with. And that was kind of this moment in our marriage where I was like, everything's different. I can do this. I'm going to walk forward in this vulnerability thing because I, I can trust a man who can hear difficult things and continue on with that. And then like to the point of being attracted to somebody, right? Attraction grows with that humility. And so for me, it became less about like what he's doing for me, how he looks, what he's doing for the family, all those things. Those those aren't a thing for me anymore because his spirit is so focused on God and what God's doing in his heart that, I'm attracted. It's just like the Lord gives me this great delight for him, even in his mistakes, because Mm -hmm. he's vulnerable with his mistakes. You know, I don't have to fight with his pride anymore. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) So that's a perfect segue to something I was going to ask earlier. Um, But 
we've been talking a lot about vulnerability and we've, we've actually done shows about vulnerability and being, you know, for, for, for guys, I think it's like, even just being emotional is being vulnerable, right? Just like even, even, yeah. even yeah. showing that we have emotion is like for, for a lot of us is was like, Oh, that's, that's being vulnerable. Like I'm stepping into a really awkward space for myself right now. Right. Um, but how did you guys know that the vulnerability piece was really kind of the, the unlocking of, of what, what you guys needed to walk through. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like how, how, how did you guys come to realize that, that vulnerability was really truly um, the thing that was going to draw you to each other? Um, Carrie, you said something a little bit earlier was that, you said the more vulnerable you were with each other, uh, I think you said the more you cling to each other, right? So like, how did you know that that that, that was going to be, or, or, or what brought you to the realization that that was, that was core for you guys? I know what it is to you. And maybe it's different for both of you. Test me right? live in front of the public here. <laughs> I know, I have an answer. Why don't you share your answer? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> so in that first, um, exposure. We had a, we had a moment where Brandon had said he was praying to be exposed, yeah, particularly with pornography. And he was very much exposed. And what you said was, I was praying that the Lord would create the opportunity for me to just spill it all. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Cause up until that point, you know, Anybody that's struggled with it again, in addiction in general, right? You 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 spend most of your time managing, um, or abstaining, which isn't the same thing as healing. And mm-hmm. all that all that abstaining had tried had accomplished was getting caught a couple of times already up until this point, promising myself that things would be different. All the classic things, right? That an addict would experience and with, with absolutely no, um, long-term benefit. And so I knew like, I couldn't hold back anymore. that, that moment when the house of cards came down and I'm hearing her cry and I'm getting ready to enter that room again to, 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 to navigate this conversation. I knew in my heart at that moment was that I wasn't holding back this time. Like I was going to say, I was going to answer every question, honestly, to the fullest extent I was going to do, I wasn't going to Mm. sugarcoat it. And that was really, that was really the difference. No more sugarcoating. Like I'm not, I wasn't going to try to pull back a little bit just to protect her feelings because that I had been counseled that way. That was a classic, you know, weaker vessel, bunch of bull, you know, of like, like you can't be vulnerable with them because they won't understand. Like, it, wow. I really want to, I really want to cuss right now because it's, 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 <laughs> right. it's so devastatingly frustrating. Speak as you speak, Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. But that, <laughs> that was the moment, but to answer your question, Mario, like that, that was, that was the moment of decision. And mm-hmm. when I crossed that threshold, it, it just, it, it lit a fire in both of us where it just went back and forth, boom, 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 of just vulnerability. Like, here's my thing. Here's your thing. Here's my thing. It was just, and then 
within a matter of 48 hours, like the, our, the, the changes in the, dy- the dynamic of our relationship, like how we were interacting with each other, even in our hurt, um, was just dramatically different. Like the Lord started showing us instantly the fruit of the vulnerability, which mm-hmm. made us go one more day. Mm-hmm. And then another day, and then another day, and then a week, and then a month. And then, so it wasn't like this big epiphany, but the Lord is gracious enough to reward that, the, those moments of courage to just show a little more of ourselves, a little more of ourselves, and, and just start the process, like just, just walk mm-hmm. the process. But, and that was, I feel like what kept us in the game is God being so faithful to give us a, a sample of the fruit of it as we went along, like it wasn't, he didn't make us wait a month or two into this journey and wondering if we're going to be able to keep doing it. Well, yeah. And the truth, the truth sets free, right? Like that, that is what I felt like, Yeah, like I could be myself finally, like in telling him my things and him actually seeing me and being hurt and angry and all the things, but not leaving the room. Right. And there was something about that that yeah. kept yeah. me hidden of me saying, if he finds these things out about me, he's going to leave. And I'm sure that's what he thought too about me. And then yeah. just seeing the grace to stay in the room. And by that, I don't mean like walking out for five minutes and getting your breath. I mean, like he kept in it with me and was like, I still love you. Let's work through this. And that to me was what kept me going with the vulnerability of like, oh my gosh, there is something here and recognizing in my heart that there was mercy there that wasn't part of me. (laughs) You know, it was, it was definitely the Lord kind of giving the grace to walk through those moments in, in like utter crushing despair and pain, but then also like, it's okay. I'm not ready to leave yet because this man is finally showing me himself. It, yeah. it was different. Something about the honesty there made me want to stay versus if he had just said, it wasn't really that it was this or like whatever cover up trying yeah. to hide from me. Yeah. I mean, one of my core issues is not wanting to be a fool. I, I like, I really have a hard time with being the fool in the room. And when I found out about all this stuff that he was hiding from me, one of the biggest hurdles for me was feeling the fool and my husband mm. at the hand of my husband. And that was mm. like a hurdle. But when he was being honest with me, he was treating me differently. And mm. I suddenly wasn't the fool. You know, it was mm. like, he was treating me like a, a partner instead. Yeah. You know, in the how world. many, how many years into marriage was this? It's 10 years. Seven. Seven that, years. This is oh. what happened right after that first, it was like, it, it started two days before our seventh anniversary. <laughs> Believe oh, it or not. Wow. So, Seventh exactly. Jubilee. So that, that anniversary <laughs> yeah. is wow. But that's amazing. That's that number, that's an interesting number. It's, that's crazy that seven years into marriage is like metaphorically the first time you guys were like ever naked with each other. Right. You know? Yes. And it's like you've seen each other physically, right? All this stuff. And it's like, but then for the first time, mm-hmm. you're actually seeing each other. And then yeah. because of that, you can like you're also for the first time ever, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, like you're seeing each other like fully naked, but you're also accepting each other fully naked for yeah. the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's like the, again, it's the, the, it's not something that you could anticipate like 
this is what we're going to do. And we're going to make a predetermined decision to just accept it. Like God meets there with this an abundant grace where it isn't just I will survive the information or whatever, or the circumstance it's, it's, I, I will do that. And I'm going, I love you more deeply now than I ever have before. And I don't know yeah. how that works. Like our reservoir and our capacity to love increased and stayed at maximum volume mm. the entire time. Mm. Um, and, and just, it just keeps going. It and was that's, weird. That's was the, weird. that's the, the, that's why it's, it's so life-changing why we would want to build our future on this concept because it's yeah. so countercultural and so opposite the world's methods of relationship, right? Which is what we want to attack in general is just met the, the methodol- methodological transactional approach to relationships apart from God, which is all you have. I mean, that's, that's the point, but, but uh, yeah, it, it, it changes everything. And, and then you start rewinding and, and replaying kind of that history and the why of it all, right? Which which really wants to make you pull your hair out because then you realize the impact that culture and peers and mentors and parents and all that had on us being so hidden those first seven years um, to require such a breaking period. And again, that exposure period wasn't the end of a lot of that stuff. Like we, we had another breaking period at the end of year 14 or 13 and 14, because mm. we were still getting to roots. Like we're, we're ugly. <laughs> yeah. Like for me, pornography was the tip of the iceberg dealing with lust was kind of the next seven years of really trying to understand how mm. I think the way I think, and then getting to the root foundations of my identity. Right. And now, now after, you know, heading into year 17 and 18, like we're, we're, we're still understanding that period or that season, but it wasn't over. Like, it, mm. you know, we, we, I, we had to get rid of a lot of things. Like I, we had to really understand what culture and the cultural inputs were doing to us to keep us grappling with those things we were wanting desperately to let go of, but you can't compete with all the inputs, right. All of the, the sheer amount of media that we were consuming and, the, the 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 conversations we were having, the people that we were sitting under, and all of those things that that God God showed us the proof in the pudding. Like we were we were sampling truth for the first time in our life, but still surrounded by people that were are living transactional lives and marriages, and it's like heartbreaking. It like really was heartbreaking because we didn't we felt so isolated. Like it was, even though we were living such a like a comparatively, you know, life-changing, satisfying marriage for the first time. We were questioning whether or not it was real because we were, we seemed to be the only ones talking about this. Well, and and the advice too was really interesting. It was like, you just need a date. Oh yeah. Or, uh, you know, like (laughs) that'll fix it. You shouldn't confess to each other. And that sounds so, that's such a Baptist answer. (laughs) Unfortunately, it's not just that's my, yeah. that's my heritage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was just like, interesting. Like, and we're like, we don't, we, we don't, this isn't going to be solved with a date and a fun time out. Like we're, yeah. we're actually seeing each other for the first time. And I don't really want to be on a date. <laughs> yeah. This was the people that were witnessing the our, pain. our pain of going through this season and trying to get us to stop doing it. Yeah. 
And we're like, you, you don't even know what you're saying. Like, this is exactly where we need to be. We're getting yeah. to the roots of these things, but, but it was so, it was so foreign to people. Um, yeah. It still is to a large, to a large degree. That difficult they, for them to watch as yeah. we went through it yeah. because we were crying and yelling. Like it, it was just, yeah. and depressed. And sometimes we'd call out of work or, you know, there was all these issues and we would, we would drop my kids off to my parents to, to go fight. Like, and they would know it. <laughs> we were like, we just need you yeah. to take the kids for a second. We got some wow. to deal with over here. And then we would do that. Yeah. But then wow. that's where they were like, what is going on? You need counseling and which we did do. And you need all this stuff. And we were like, you don't, you don't understand how good this is, but also we can't share all the good things because we don't even understand it ourselves. So, well, I mean, that's the point is we went to therapy and ran into the exact same thing there. That's true. Wow. Uh, it was, he was an older, he was, he was probably in his sixties, you know, and this is the, the thing is we keep running into these roadblocks where, where culture, culture, permeates everything right it permeates all relationships thinking the church in particular and the church's representation of the word and so this guy was a christian counselor and that who came at recommendation and so we went and like it was probably actually really healthy for us because we ended up defending each other the whole time to this guy <laughs> who was who couldn't understand what we were talking about like he kept trying to put us in these boxes of like um, that he was familiar with. So I don't really know how else to say it. <laughs> I'm still trying to protect protect the uh, the identity of this guy, but 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 it was it was like it it produced uh, a certain amount of fruit. But it we ended up having to stop because we spent more of our time that we're paying him for trying to explain to him what is actually happening, not what he's assuming is happening. And so it was like. It was, really, it was really frustrating, but, but that's, but that's what is the, so the point was it felt very isolating mm -hmm. and we questioned whether or not this was even the, the right thing because we had other people saying it probably isn't because look, you guys are so unhappy and therein lies the problem, right? Mm -hmm. Marriage is the end of marriage is not our happiness. Mm -hmm. It's God's glory. So, well, that's good. so, and that's where the theater of the gospel really started coming in and where we were rewinding the tapes and really reviewing the negative inputs and, and then re rewriting it. Right. So re and re going back and studying the word again and, and through this new lens and, and truly trying to understand God's expectations for the roles of a husband and wife and what it means for me as a husband to love my life as wife, as life, as Christ loved the church and what it meant for her to submit to me as to Christ, which has nothing to do with what I've heard for the last 20 years in terms of, you know, leadership or structure in a marriage, but the gospel. And, um, and cause all of those things reinforced the, the traps in those first seven years was, was some of that, that real kind of thin understanding of what God really desired out of those passages for us to, to actually implement in our marriage. So. I hope you answered your question. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, was, that was really, really good. Um, we are, we are kind of like coming into the, the latter parts of um, the episode. And I just wanted to give a, I wanted to like get as 
practical as possible for anyone listening. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so, um, can you guys, and I know it's like asking you to like, you know, summarize the, the, the biggest things and, you know, that everybody has to do and, you know, in two steps. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like what, what can you, can you give us, you know, can you walk us through, I know you guys are, you guys are actually, the, the cool thing about this question is you guys are actually thinking through this and Carrie's an yeah. instructional designer. And, and so she's been thinking about how to put these things out there. Mm-hmm. So uh, my question is, um, if someone finds themselves in a place of hiding in plain sight, right? Mm-hmm. In their marriage. Mm-hmm. And I, I, we're, obviously we're talking about marriage and, and, and that relationship right now. Um, what are the, are the most valuable things that they can actually start to step into in order to develop the marriage that, that God actually has for them. Can I go? Yes, please. <laughs> You're saying two different things. Okay. Because All right. the first thing is vulnerability, which is an internal process for yourself in being comfortable with going toward that. And then there's the second thing, which is, is your marriage going well? Is it going the way that you expect? And if not, does that need to be confronted? And those to me are two separate issues. Mm-hmm. So in this e-course that we're developing that you mentioned, um, out early spring, yay. Um, <laughs> speaking it, <laughs> the, that is particularly looking at what are cultural narratives, social norms that we're believing that is causing friction in our marriage because mm-hmm. of our consumerist nature or because of our expectations that we've either developed over time or through other mentors and leaders that have guided us that way, confronting those lies and then producing some kind of um, internal self-reflection piece about what is the motives, what are, you know, all those things. So that's, that's one element is the confrontation piece of why is my marriage not going well? Is it my own expectations? And then the second piece is toward vulnerability, which I think practically speaking, the way to get more vulnerable isn't actually just to duke it out like Brandon and I did. <laughs> I don't recommend that, even though it will work, I think. But the that um, just exposure of everything might be too much for people who are not used to being vulnerable. Mm. So I think that the first step in moving toward vulnerability is actually getting that trusted spouse or even a trusted friend to start speaking into your life and accepting the criticism towards your own life in terms of Mm. can they recognize any escapes? Can they recognize coping skills that you're putting into place that aren't really very productive and being able to receive that kind of criticism towards yourself in a way that you can reflect, figure out your own motivations toward it and take it to the Lord before you start being transparent because that vulnerability is absolutely necessary to be in place in order to be transparent because as soon as soon as you go into that transparency space and someone's telling you something that really hurts that attack is going to come at you and be like what were you thinking why are you doing this like it's just the natural progression yeah. like hopefully yeah. that 
that kind of, you know, pitters out a little bit as you get closer to the Lord and with each other. But in that initial thing, like the anger is going to be so violent and things are going Mm. to be coming at you that you need to be able to be in a vulnerable, vulnerable place to look at yourself and say, okay, there are some things here. I recognize my sin. I recognize that I'm doing this. I don't really understand it. Will you help me? And doing that with, with somebody in that vulnerable place of just asking for commentary is different than transparency. Mm. Yeah. And the only thing I would add to that is, is, um, you know, using your relationship as of the litmus test, right. And your satisfaction in the relationship. Um, the only time that won't work is when like some of these relationships that we're aware of that have gotten very good at, um, building their life around the thing, right. That they can, the commonality, right. So, Hmm. so if, if, if they aren't already vulnerable, it's going to be very hard for them to recognize those areas in the relationship where they are actually dissatisfied because they've been programming, programming themselves for so long saying, I have a great marriage and this is why, um, I feel like it's really important. And this is also how I operate, right? Where, because as a perfectionist, I'm, I am intensely uh, intimate with right and wrong, right? Which is ironic because I live such a dichotomous life, but, but I, I hate the, the idea that I'm not, I'm not living or pursuing what is possible. And, and so I think aside from what Carrie just said, which is the, the, the perfect place to start is just adding to that really deeply under, trying, desiring to understand what God wants from this thing, right? That will also help you identify areas that you might not naturally arrive at, that dissatisfaction may not be telling you, but you may recognize through a deeper study of scripture, that which is also what we're trying to to try to instill is that God has something more here than just living a fun, happy life together. There, there is, there is a, a larger kingdom minded God glorifying purpose here. Are you, do you feel like you're there yet? Um, because that might also get them over that hump of, of the status quo, uh, which, which is what we're trying to battle. Like there's, there's more to it than just rescuing yeah. people from being, wounded they might not even know they're wounded yet um until they're shown the alternative which is what which is what we're trying to do that there is an alternative and i've we've shared it with a few friends and i the the one that stuck out the most was with a a close friend of mine who said i didn't even know this was possible which will like it broke my heart but was also it lit the fire at the same at the same time like what what we're experiencing in marriage doesn't Lots, a lot of people don't have a context for it. They've not observed it yet. It wasn't in their parents' relationship, isn't in theirs yet. So that's what we're after. Love that. Eric, do you have any final things before we got into our... I, I need a separate off, yeah. offline conversation. There's, there's a rich, rich conversation, so... Good. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I would just like to comment that I've, I've been really blessed by this conversation so far. Thanks, it's been man. really powerful, really good, yeah. Thank you. All right, guys. So we're gonna we're gonna jump into our our fast, fast five, five. rapid rapid fire questions. You guys can answer whatever whatever you want. It's 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 nothing it's nothing scary. 
<clears throat> but we believe, you know, one of one of one of our or our core kind of messages that um, we want to maintain and, and overflow in each pillar of our lives, right? Spiritual, emotional, mental, physical, and financial. Mm-hmm. Um, and these five quick questions are, are kind of our rapid fire way, and you 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 kind of like pre answered answer these, but. Um, we are just, we just want to know how all of our guests like steward each pillar of their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys ready? I think it'll also be cool to hear from each person since we've never had sure. this dynamic yeah. before. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then maybe also how you guys, since you guys have young kids, how you attack it, if you do at all, it could just, the answer could be like nothing right now. It's fine. This will not be rapid. As a family as as well, you know? So just hearing about what a discipline, because I know a lot of the men that listen to this, they have families as well. And how how do you guys integrate that? That'd be really cool too, if you have a practice. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what's your spiritual practice? How do you steward your relationship with God? Actually, I can answer for both of us. Yeah. (laughs) We do Bible study together every morning at the same time. And we read the same passage and we do our own quiet moments. And then we talk about it together. That has been really um, shaping for our spiritual life. Love that. Mm, That's amazing. I got a question. Have you guys always done that? No. No, that was was a new thing. Like what? How how long is this practice? The seven year breaking period really ignited uh, my own um, devotional Mm. life. Mm. Where, where I would wake up or like do the thing that you're supposed to do as a Christian, right? Where you, sure. you wake up, and, you know, but we got through the superficial part of that. And that was, it's really only in the last five years. Oh, wow. Um, maybe a little bit longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah where it's where we, we, we wanted to install that inner marriage for our own benefit. It was also mm-hmm. coincided with what we're going to get to uh, probably when you get to some of these other topics of like, we, we, we ran out of time. And we needed to carve it out. So we we intentionally wake up at, mm. at well, our alarm goes off at 510. We don't necessarily <laughs> wake up at 510, but 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 start there. Like we do that mm. first. And we spend an hour with the Lord every with morning. And sometimes two on the That's weekends. Cool. That's really neat. And uh, it's an investment in our relationship with the Lord and keeps us on the same page spiritually. And we get more out of it because we're getting mm. feedback from each other. So that's, that's really cool. That's been, it's huge. It's been huge. I'm almost kind of and guys. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm almost kind of. You can just, have this. Yeah. Yeah, because like, well, I'm not. This is not an excuse, but I have a six, uh, I was gonna, six, I was, four, and, I was gonna and say. eight month old, and man, the rhythms are just so hard in this season right now. Don't, don't like uh, sleeping. And, I know what you're like. It sounds say. like, that sounds like such a sexy idea, but I'm like, man, that's also going to like kill us to <laughs> don't just or set your house on fire. That, Brandon used to have to get up and take a shower and walk outside first before he could sit down to do a Bible study together. I'm a, I'm a morning person, so it's different mm. for me, but he was never. So and we did this when our kids were six and four. Yeah. Wow. So oh, speaking, speaking our language right now. 100%. It was, it was desperate. Like we, we needed it together mm, and yeah. it didn't start out at an hour. It started at maybe 20 minutes and 10 mm. minutes debrief. So like, yeah, it, I think that's one thing that is. I do. That's bad too. Is like, I'll, I'll look for the, I want to eat the whole cake and I'm like, no, we're going to do this one block out an hour. And then that my wife's very like, how about five minutes? <laughs> yeah yeah you know well and, and at your kid's age 
we were doing Bible studies at 3 a.m. when when we're, you know, having to do the nighttime feeding on our phone yeah. in the dark. Like, that's, <laughs> that's You know, you got to do what you got to do, but that's that's just yeah. where we're at now. It's really cool. What is your emotional practice? How do you guys steward your feelings? You answer that. I don't uh, steward my know, feelings. It's, so. it's again, it's again a, a huge thing. I mean, vulnerability and transparency is 90% of that battle. And not that not just interpersonally, but individually, like what Carrie was talking about, just that that core advice, just being vulnerable and reflective um has just been a a pattern, right? Where that for me personally, that's been the biggest probably innovation in my personal life is going away from just reading like fiction, if I read at all, uh, you know, cause we turned off the TV eight years ago, seven years ago. No, like five, cause it was this, this reiteration. This is, this was in the third marriage. So it's only been five. Oh, that's true. <laughs> five, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, which changed everything as far as creating space for that reflective practice. So mm-hmm. by turn off the TV, like literally we don't watch television, haven't watched television for years. Wow. Um, and, and that was mostly just minimizing the inputs, but but um, but that that created it it eliminated the inputs, so we weren't so emotionally clouded. But it also created the space to then go steer it toward a healthy thing. So so we've done we've done just so much more reflective, and it's not a chore anymore because I'm not having to check a box with it. It's just who we are because we're not we're not saving time between our shows or between. Mm-hmm the other, the next escape. That's just, that's just who we are. So we read a lot. We talk a ton. I mean, that's just, that's just our lifestyle without, without the din of media, we just talk a lot. And we, so we're, we're constantly, we're constantly just unpacking our thoughts and, and feelings and holding each other accountable and redirecting and coaching each other. And, and so it's kind of an organic process, but for me, the most intentional part is really um, pursuing the developmental side of my, my content. Um, and, but I'd still, if I, if I had a wish, I would be a better journaler than I am. Mm. I'm, I'm stuck. <laughs> I, I'm stuck in my own, the closed loop of my own head. Um, so I, uh, my processing mostly happens with Carrie's assistance, but, <laughs> but I wish I was, I wish I was a better journaler. Can I, can I say two really practical yeah. things about emotions? Yeah. If yeah. you, the fights that you have, if you get through a certain amount of fighting, you learn how to fight better. And then the emotions that go alongside the fights aren't as bad either because you kind of can get to the end. We used to have like six hour long fights and now we can get around like maybe an hour. <laughs> so we're condensing. Hey. The other thing I would say is magnesium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well. vitamins really help the emotions i'm i'm not kidding but (laughs) we call it the cocktail but magnesium fish oil b12 and vitamin d all about that i thought you would like that (laughs) good ad all right we're gonna jump into uh mental practice and i probably there'll there'll probably be some like overlap but like you know what's your mental practice how do you steward your mind or your mindset journaling there you go awesome so brand is basically just not doing I'm it out. but it's brand hates it but this is this is how i i do it yeah. and there is a cognitive yeah. 
relationship between yeah. writing things down. For sure. You're more likely to complete goals when you write them down. And that's true for your mental growth as well. So mm. I think journaling has been the biggest thing and walking because Love you it. can pray when you walk and that, that like EMDR, like two sides of your brain mm-hmm. walking through it is like really practical for processing. Yeah. Love it. What is, oh, do you have more time? I pretty you much don't, you don't get an awesome. answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is your physical practice? How do you guys steward your body and health outside of taking magnesium? Do you guys do zinc too or no? Just magnesium? No, I don't do zinc, but magnesium B12 in the, I eat a lot of chocolate, so zinc is in chocolate. So (laughs) that's how I take care of my body. There we go. Um, I was probably addicted to walking a little while ago, doing like probably a lot too much. You do six miles at a time. It was a lot. Wow. It was like an every day and sometimes multiple times a day. Like two two hour walks almost. At least. Sometimes yeah. three, yeah. It, wow. it was like the way that I would process. And so yeah, I don't know that sure. that was that healthy for my body, but the practice of walking stuck. And that is like, I don't do it for the exercise benefit as, as much. That is a benefit, but not as much as for mental sure. health. Yeah. I think physically, like we're, we've always been, I mean, we're pretty much a classic kind of yo-yo family, but we've always been pretty health conscious and we do integrate that with our kids trying to teach them better. I grew up with, with, with no boundaries with food. So I was always kind of a, a heavier kid going to college. I lost some weight, got some healthier habits, but, but just recently, actually, that was, was what kind of brought Mario and I back into each other's lives was me kind of reaching out to him to get some support on yeah. a number of different levels, but, but that was one of them. And so for, for me awesome. personally, I'm just kind of adopting um, more of a disciplined ha- set of habits. Um, yeah. and, and, uh, he, he, he gave me really great advice to just to, to bring, to, to take what I was doing already, which was a moderate amount of walking, increase that a little bit into more of a standard practice, and then just kind of wear a, a weight vest just to, yeah. to help with the resistance. Cause that's really all I can do at this, at this moment. But, but between that and, and staying ahead, staying on, on plan with, our nutrition. Um, but we've, but that's another, that's just an, kind of another one of the mental things where we, we read a lot. We've, we've, we've learned a lot about nutrition. So these are all things that we didn't grow up with that we've kind of sure. just been adding along the way, right? Knowledge is power. Can I say something about kids too yeah. in that vein? Um, I have had more impact with the kids in talking about what it does to the brain. My diet is very specific because sugar, gluten, dairy, everything has an effect on the way that my brain processes. And in talking that out with the kids, instead of saying like the traditional, you need to lose this weight or you need to watch your your figure, like whatever the narrative is, I've really been talking about, okay, this food, when you eat it, you're going to have this brain function happen afterward because of how it relates. And the kids have started making their own decisions about it because they've heard me say that over and Mm. over again, or us say it about what, how this is going to affect their next three hours or whatever it is. And we've started giving them some freedom. Like we're still parents and we're not permissive parents by any stretch of the imagination, but we've recognized the need to begin nurturing their food choices. So when mm. you know they're in a habit constantly of, of, you know, asking for the sweet things, right. Well, we'll just turn it back and say, well, you know, you like, 
is that a, is that a smart choice or not? Like think about what you've had today. You, yeah. you, I mean, you've been a part of this family for these last years. You know, you know how we talk about it. Like what what's a smart decision? And then they'll they'll manage it themselves, except for our son. Yeah. <laughs> He'll uh, suffer the consequences. He's later. like, it's fine. <laughs> I'm it's good. I'm good. I feel great about it. I can handle it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So uh, last question, like what's your financial practice? How do you steward your finances? I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I've done the budgeting in our family since early on. I think, didn't you start it? Yeah. Yes, you because I it. said, this is not going to go well. I don't have an, a generous spirit. Oh, or I didn't at the time. I feel mm. like I've improved. Yeah, that's but a, that's I thought I would be too controlling, and I didn't want to be. And so I said, oh, "Brandon, really you need to handle this." So that's a really cool insight to hear. I haven't heard. I haven't thought about that in the context of stewardship of money, yeah, in the context yeah. of a relationship of marriage. How that's a really cool heart that you have. Like you know that this about you, and yeah. therefore I would I prefer that if you took the lead on. That's really interesting. Classically, if we're going to be generous. And this is, this is like without fail. If we know we're going to give money to somebody, I will say like $100 and Brandon will say $200. And if it's $500, it'll be a thousand dollars. Like without even talking to each other, it's always half. It's, yeah. it's always, I'm half oh, of what wow. Brandon is. Cause I'm just conservative. I hate that. Brandon yeah. bless his, bless his heart is very generous. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I work on it. So yeah, you guys are so, it's like yeah, marriage, financially, you know, like we, like a lot of other things, like if, if you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. Right. So having financial yeah. goals and strategies, like I, I was raised under the example of a spender. So mm-hmm. I tend to be, I hold my money more loosely. So that's how we balance each other out. Cause I mm-hmm. probably broke if not for her, but, <laughs> but when it comes to generosity, like I, early on, I, I connected the dots between the relationship of provision and tithing. And I, I firmly believe that. I don't believe that there can be a healthy financial lifestyle without without honoring God in it. Um, and that's and that being an, in, a, in a really systematic way. Um, so we we tithe, and it's not all to a church. We we believe in the concept of discretionary tithing, where we mm. we 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 take that money and we put it into a tithe account that we have, mm. and we it sits there until we feel like God puts it on our heart to give to somebody. And Love that. So we have we have a, we have an organized financial um, plan. Like we 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 budget every month. We we you know we pay our bills. We don't hold debt. Other when we have a car payment and a mortgage, but we don't we don't hold credit card debt. Um, you know, like we we we're trying to pay off this house in fifteen. It's a thirty year mortgage. You know, we're just uh, we we understand it. So financial education has been a big very Ramsey of you. We haven't done, we haven't done Ramsey. I mean, I've, I've, I've witnessed this stuff. I never did financial peace university, but definitely not opposed to it. I don't know that it's accessible to everybody, but, um, yep. especially yep. for people that are so far behind, but, but, yep. um, which we were, we got married with $35,000 in debt. Yeah. We had student loan debt and, uh, you know, some of like, miles like get out here with that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, um, but I was but just it was it's, it was all just about definition and discipline, right? Yeah. Defining what our goals were, and then being meaningful enough for us to want to actually be disciplined in in our budget. Now our budget isn't a fixed like 
we budget $1,500 for groceries and eating out and we only spend that. Like I, yeah. it's, there's, there is some flexibility yeah. in our budget, but we never, we just don't overspend and we make sure. Yep. We spend less than you make. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you so. have to understand that Brandon loves Excel sheets. I'm so Excel you didn't know you were going to fanatic. open this window. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and also we have no advice for dealing with money with kids. We have not figured that out. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. With kids, like we're, we're still trying to figure out allowance and its relationship to chores and we've done three yeah. or four different things. Yeah. We're there. Right Actually, now. it's probably one of the hardest parts I've found in parenting right now is trying to figure out how to get them to take ownership and, and, and let and connect that to their relationship with money, you mm-hmm. know, uh, just their personal discipline leading to financial reward, like those things. Um, haven't figured it out yet. If I do, I'll write a book. Sure. I got, a book. I got a book I want to send you guys that might help with that, but I mean, I'll have to look at yeah, what, 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 what offline. Yeah. I'm, I'm work, we're working through that ourselves right now. Just right. trying to figure out what's like, like, you know, we give our daughter allowance for, for doing chores. We're like, why should she, but then in my mind, I'm like, why should she get a dollar to do that? Like, <laughs> that's the thing. So we've, we've gone through that. That's yeah. fully me, bro. Like mm-hmm. the, I, 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 the, what, the only way that I could get through that is, is that I'm not doing it to reward them for things that they're already responsible responsible for doing i'm i'm trying to provide a mechanism for them to learn money yeah, it's more right that, that was yeah. the whole point like my my daughter's already had you know she's she's um she's uh cultivated succulents and sold them door to door oh that's great and my, john is like his life goal right now is to save up enough money to um <laughs> have have a bank account and <laughs> i literally awesome. and I've had hours long conversations about investing and like, you know, so he's, he's getting it, but I just wanted them to begin having a relationship with money early on um, so that we can walk through that with them. Not, not as a transactional, like you do your dishes. I give you a dollar. Like I can't do that either. Like I'm too, I'm too old school to be like, no, I'm not going to pay you anything. And you're still going to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Pay you by giving you a bed to sleep in. Yeah. You're (laughs) welcome. Nailed it. Give you life, son. I think um, our fathers all went to the same school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Um, well, I would love to like if you guys want to, and I know you guys are are in the process of of launching something, but yeah. Uh, where can where can people kind of connect with you guys? Yeah. So by the time this airs, uh, we will have our website up, or at least a landing page where you can drop you know your information if you want to know about what we're doing. What we have on the horizon, the immediate horizon, which, which should be in the next few months, will be an e-course uh, focusing on uh, sexuality and our relationship to it culturally and and where we need to be. There will be a marriage one to follow and um, and a, the podcast, not about sex. Um, and and um, hopefully a book right after that. Yeah, we're going for the book. Looking forward. Yeah, so, to it. so our focal points right now are marriage and sexuality, but we have we have other brewing passions that will will probably be part of that. So, not about media is is our will will be our nonprofit um, umbrella. So, notaboutmedia.com will be the place to go to find out what awesome. we're doing. Cool. Looking forward to that, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. It's been a, it's been a blast. <laughs> I, wish, I, I really wish we had, we had like another, maybe another hour. We'd go even deeper, but let's do it uh, again. We'll, we'll do it again. That's a follow. Point. 
Thanks for joining us today, guys. For more content, you can find us on Instagram at wethetrust or at wethetrust.com. If you'd like to connect further with Eric, you can find him on Instagram at Coach Eric Freedom. And if you'd like to connect further with me, Mario, you can find me on Instagram at the Mario Quesada. We'll see you next time.